Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. So, can you guess what we're going to talk about today? <laughs> Blended families. A family in a blender. How difficult can that be? It can be difficult. We're going to talk about that today. But before we do, i got a couple things I wanted to mention. Uh, one is this. I wanted to thank everybody that came out yesterday. In fact, we got a picture here. Of, uh, we, went to a, we did a rock-solid build yesterday, and that's uh, for those of you that know what rock-solid is. Um, rock-solid is an organization that builds playgrounds for kids with cancer because kids with cancer can't play on regular playgrounds with other people. So we built a playground yesterday for um, Carmen Jeffries who is 19 months old, and she has cancer in her eye. Really sad situation, but so positive yesterday. And you can see here's all the people that came. If you didn't get to come yesterday, we'll be doing more of this in the future. So come out. Everybody had a great time. Look at the picture, and you can find somebody that had a good time. But I just wanted to say thank you to you guys for being that kind of church. And uh, our church also sponsored the build, so we actually paid to have it built. And so I just wanted you to see where some of the money you give to this church goes and so I thank you for being part of that because it was just absolutely incredible. So the other thing I wanted to mention was this is starting this summer, we are going to be starting a new church service on Thursday nights um, called Sundays on Thursdays. Okay. And uh, so what we're really looking for here is we're, we're kind of stepping out in faith because you're going, hey, does that mean we're not doing Sundays anymore? No, we're still doing Sundays. We're still doing 9, 30, and 11. But we want to start a new service. And uh, one of the trends for churches over the summertime, churches decline in growth. Um, and I believe, um, and I've talked to several other pastors to say, it doesn't have to. And one of the things we want to do is we've always been a church that wants to reach unchurched people. And one of the biggest times is, is there's a lot of non-religious people that would want to come on a Thursday night versus a Sunday. That's one thing. The second thing is this, is a lot of people want their weekends. They say, hey, I'm going away for the weekend. I can't be part of church because I'm going away for the weekend. And guess what? Now you can. Sundays on Thursdays. Okay. The other thing is this. we got a lot of EMTs, fire department, rescue squads. We've been talking to a lot of those guys. They do shift work. They support us in ways that you can't even imagine. And we go, hey, what if we marketed them? What if we brought them some donuts? They like that, right? Police department likes donuts. No, I'm sorry. <laughs> Don't use that joke with them. They're not coming if we say that. But they do like donuts. And so we're going to bring them some donuts. We're going to invite them on Sundays, on Thursdays. And we're going to reach, I believe, some people for Christ that maybe wouldn't be coming otherwise. So here's what I want you to do. One, I want you to think about, hey, is God calling me to serve in a new way? Because we're going to need help. Okay. Second thing is this. Would you pray? Would you pray about, hey, how can we do this? We'll talk more and more about what's going to happen, but we are so excited about what we're going to be doing. I know it's a little bit different to do it that way, but we're a different kind of church, and we're going to see what happens, and I believe God's going to reach somebody. The other thing I want you to pray about is this. Would everybody come the first night we have this? We're not a big promotional church, but here's what I'd like to ask. If you would come and bring a friend. I'm not asking you to come every Thursday night. That's not the point. I'm not asking you to change your thoughts on churches for Sundays. I got that, okay? But what I'm asking is, is this, could you bring somebody that might connect with that kind of service on that Thursday night? And if we pack this place out, I'm not asking it to be packed out every week, but here's what I'd like. If you brought somebody, maybe they would just attach, and somebody that doesn't know Christ might get to know them and start to be able to be part of church. Isn't that what it's about? And so be praying about this. It's going to be an awesome time. We're going to do a lot of fun things with it. And uh, so we'll talk more about that in days to come. Okay, so now let's get into one of the most difficult things that we've been, we've been in a series called What If, 
And I got to tell you, one of the most difficult sets of people to talk to, it's not a sin to be a step parent, is it? But, but I got to tell you, it's the thing that is not a sin that feels the most like it. Is that true? For some of us, and those of you that are in blended families, and those of you that maybe aren't, you might not get this, but I got to tell you, I talk to a lot of blended families, and, and very quickly, it goes from the beginning, there's expectations that you want to be maybe like the Brady Bunch. I don't know, if you don't know who the Brady Bunch is, that's fine, but, but for those of us that do, how many people know who the Brady Bunch is? Hopefully this illustration works, right? And you kind of dream that your problems are going to just be like the Brady Bunch. Anybody ever felt that? And, and it's kind of like, we think that when we get married, our family's problems will just be like the Brady Bunch kind of problems where we solve it like a sitcom. And instead, you see the Brady Bunch looking over at Maleficent. <laughs> and you go, very quickly, you're having problems on that scale, right? Where we're trying to kill each other, where it's just not going well, where I don't think this is going to work out. And it's so, so tough. And so today we want to talk a little bit about what do we do if our family's in a blender? What do we do when we merge this together and we had these expectations and, and we finally were able to dream again? Anybody ever had that? And now we put it together and it didn't turn out to be the fairy tale we thought, did it? And, and they, the kids didn't catch up. The kids are against us or my evil step-parents are against us or, you know, the evil queen or the stepfather. There's even a horror movie called Stepdad or Stepfather. And, and so, so the whole point is, is, is what do you do? Where, where is God in this, and what does God say about this, and what does the Bible teach about this? Um, and, and I'll start off by saying, this is outside a little bit of my comfort zone, because I like to preach from personal experience. I, I like to preach from something that, that I've experienced and share my experience, strength, and hope, and not try to relate to things that I'm, I, I haven't been at. And, and this is one of those that I go... I'm not an expert in this. I'm not the person that has even experienced this. I, I, me and my wife have been married. We've had lots of other problems that, that we could relate to. We haven't had that, so I don't know from personal experience. I know from my family, my father died. My mom's been remarried, so I do get some of the dynamics. But, but that, that was more as a young adult, not, not as a, a person living at home. So there's different dynamics that I haven't experienced. So you go, why would you listen to John? <laughs> not, don't know necessarily you should. Except for one thing. As a pastor, I have had more counseling sessions over this than just about anything else. And, and what I know about step parenting, and it's the reason why I wanted to bring it up today, and we're not going to cover all of it today, only to say this. If you're a step family, if you're a blended family, a lot of them have come to see me and said, I can't believe how difficult it is. The, the number one reason, or, or let me give you a couple statistics. 50% of marriages end in divorce, and that statistics actually come down a little bit. And I can tell you why, because most people aren't living, they're not getting married anymore, they're just living together, and that's why that statistic, I believe, has come down. Um, the other thing is this, is that out of that, there's a reason why people get divorced. You want to know what they are? Uh, finances and sex, okay? Can we say that in church? And one affects the other. You agree with that? If finances aren't going well, it can affect the other side. And if this isn't going well, then it will definitely affect your finances. And so that's the reason why people normally get divorced. Can I tell you that, that 50%, if it's 50% of regular marriages end in divorce, second marriages, guess how many of them end in divorce? 80, 80%. And can I tell you with the ones that have kids what the number one cause is? How the kids are handled. It's a fact. 
That's the, that's the statistic that I saw. And I go, I believe it because I have so many people that come to me and say, John, you don't understand. John, you don't understand how difficult, you don't understand how they're driving a wedge in our relationship and how they handled it or how my spouse didn't handle it like I would. Or we don't agree with how we discipline the kid. One person is easy, the other person is difficult, and the two cultures have collided. And it ain't easy, is it? <laughs> It is tough, and this fairy tale dream that we had isn't there anymore, and what do we do? How do we do this thing? And so today, I just want to, I just want to brief you on it. Today, I just want to start a dialogue that hopefully will lead to, to some changes, not, not just in one moment, but, but something that we can strive to do as a church together, okay? So the first thing I want to do is this, is you can pull out your outlines or your Bibles. In Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 6, I just want to go over... What, what the dream would be, what God views it and say, here is what a family should look like, okay? And, and if you, you agree, you can say amen, okay? We don't usually do that, but I think when we read these, you'll probably want to say amen to this, okay? Ephesians chapter 5 discusses what it means to have a good marriage. So if you want to know about marriage and, and how to have a good marriage, Ephesians chapter 5, the apostle Paul writes about how to have a good marriage. In Ephesians chapter 6, it talks about the family. What do we do with children? So here's what it says. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 1, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Amen. See, I mean, I knew you guys. We're not an amen church, but we will be today. Okay, verse 2. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise. We like that too, all right? Amen. Honor your father and mother, verse 3. Okay, verse 3. So that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. I got a paraphrase for that one. I brought you into the world. You want to, you want to finish it? <laughs> know what this verse means to you? That's what it means to me. The Apostle Paul was basically saying, guys... I brought you into the world, and if you don't obey and honor your parents, I'll take you out and make more. You get the idea? So there you go. <laughs> All right, verse 4. Fathers, do not exasperate. Can you, can you circle that word? Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. That's so simple. That's so many short verses. And so basically it's saying, hey, kids, obey your parents. Kids, listen to your parents. Kids, honor your parents. F- parents, fathers especially. <laughs> and, I, and I think it's talking to both, but I go, it, it really is fathers because fathers do a great job of exasperating. Anybody had a father? Anybody understand the word exasperate without me even defining it? Yeah, sure, right? Yeah, you got it. Okay, you got it. I, got, I see your hand. <laughs> Train them. Instruct them. It's going to take some patience. You can't just bulldoze through this thing. Make sure you understand the real win, not just exasperating them. And we go, hey, you know what? This sounds great. Who, who, doesn't, who doesn't want a family? How many want a family like this, right? I do, right? We all want a family like this. This is the dream. But how many have had this dream crushed to smithereens, right? And you go, that's nice in theory. I would love for that to be the way it is. But just like we watched in the video, right, of, of this family and that family, and now all of a sudden there's kids going back and forth, and now there's other spouses that aren't on the same plan. That's why we got divorced, right? I mean, if we're going to be real honest. We got divorced because we can't get along, and now we're trying to get along on how we use the kids, and sometimes the kids are used as weapons, and sometimes we just don't agree, and sometimes the kids are getting to decide where they live. It's tough, isn't it? So what do we do with a blended family? What does God do? What does God have to say? Does God have any help for us? And I want to share a couple tips with you today. And I say tips because these are not things that I go, this isn't just going to fix everything. 
But I think if you can start to follow some of these things, and I've got a lot of these principles, and I'd be happy to share a bunch of resources with you. One is, if you want to write it down, if you're, if you're really struggling, you can write it down. Family Life has one called Smart, Wise Step Families by Ron Deal. I might not know the right name, but Ron Deal is the guy. Like, let's make a deal. And, and great material. We hope to use that again here one day. But I'm not going to throw a whole bunch of material at you today. I just want to share a few principles from God's Word that might make a difference, if that's you. And I'd like you to write them down, if this is you. And I'd like everybody to write them down so that nobody feels like, oh, they're watching me because I'm writing down. I must be the one struggling. There's a whole bunch of people struggling here. If you're not struggling, write it down. You might need it one day. Can I tell you the amount of blended families that would say, I never thought my spouse would die. I never thought we would end in divorce. I never thought I would find myself in this situation. How many people thought that? And it's tough. And today we're going to talk about how do, what do we do? What, what, are, what are some tips on doing this? And this is from the Bible. This is from some wise counsel of people that know the Bible. And we're just going to take a look and see where we can go from here. Okay, you ready? Number one, tips for a blended family. Number one, set reasonable expectations. This, this is probably <laughs> the first and greatest commandment, if I could, for, for a blended family. Because the expectations, and here's what I see. This is what I know as a pastor, even though I haven't been there personally. As a pastor, I understand that I get people that come to me and they go, John, I finally met somebody that can finally make me happy. Because what I understand about blended families is this, something happened, and that's the reason why all of a sudden two families are trying to merge. Because you go, somebody died, there's a trauma, get it? Some, somebody got divorced, there's a trauma. Sometimes the divorce is worse than a death. Sometimes it's we weren't married before, and now it's just been the two of us, the two, us and a kid. Maybe I got pregnant outside of marriage. Maybe something happened. But all of a sudden, it's just been the two of us for a very long time, and now all of a sudden there's somebody else in the mix, a stepfather, a stepmother, somebody coming into the mix. And those people come to me, and, and in the moment they're going, for the first time in my life in a long time, and you see if you can relate to this, I feel happy. For the first time in so long, I never thought I could have hope again. This is what I hear. And I, and I sit in the office and we, we cry together and it's so great and we, we share what God has done and brought this person into their life and, and, and it's like all great. And then we start saying, hey, what's the plan for the kids? And it's like, oh, this is going to be wonderful. They all get along. They love them. <laughs> they love this person. And they have this expectation that it's going to be like it was in a first marriage, like it was when you first get together and, and the husband and wife come together and there's not kids at the beginning. Now, if you think back to your first, mar- you know, your first marriage or if you've never been together, if you've been married, what, 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 what happened when you, when you get married, it takes a while to get adjusted, doesn't it? But the person that has a blended family, all of a sudden you're getting adjusted not only with just you. <laughs> you're getting adjusted with kids that are not on the same, you know, at the same level. And so you've got to set some expectations, some reasonable expectations for yourself. I'll give you a verse you can write down, Romans 12, verse 3. Romans chapter 12, the Apostle Paul is writing, he's saying, hey, right before this, he talks about, hey, don't conform to the world, you know, present your body a living sacrifice to God, and then he gives, you, gives us some advice, and I think it applies to marriage as well, verse, verse 3. For by grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourselves more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourselves with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. You know what I think he's saying? Don't compare yourself to someone else. Don't compare this new life with, with whatever you had before or whatever you think it might be 
or thinking that this is going to be a utopia. Because if that's what you think, then you, then you haven't read very much. And it's so easy to do because you're going, how could people do that? You know it's going to be difficult. You've watched movies. You've seen things. You've experienced your life. But in the moment, you know what happens? All of a sudden, you feel like, no, it's, it's going to be, it's going to go okay because I have this feeling. You know what I mean? Because you're happy. And now all of a sudden you get into it, and it doesn't take long before after we do this, these premaritals that people come to me, and all of a sudden they're going, this just ain't working out, man. This isn't what I thought it would be. We are struggling. And I believe that the reason is is because the expectations haven't been set right. Make sure you have reasonable expectations. Get some counsel because in the moment, i got to tell you, you won't be objective with you. You'll feel hope for the first time, and you'll bolster ahead it'll be hard for you. So make sure you set some reasonable expectations. Allow some people to speak into your life. And if you are there and you're going, we didn't have realistic expectations, start to right-size yourself, okay? Start to say, yeah, we can't compare the way it was. I can't compare to this picture-perfect family that I would like it to be. We got to make it, what, what is it? It is what it is. And so God is saying, think of yourselves with sober judgment. Set some reasonable expectations. Number two, this goes right along with it. Take some time to mourn the losses. Now, this may seem strange, but, but here's, here's the problem. And it goes right along with the expectations. And this is what I see a thousand, I've seen it a thousand times. Is that two families come together and all of a sudden it's like, I have grieved for so long and now I'm ready to be happy. And now you're happy and you're going to have this big wedding day, okay? <laughs> and the kids aren't happy, get it? They haven't had time to do that. And maybe they'll even get through the wedding. Maybe it'll even go fine and you'll have that day. And it's like, hey, life is now good. And all of a sudden, they're kind of bringing you down. You know what I mean? It's like, why are they sad? Why aren't they getting along? Why are they trying to rain on my parade kind of thing? You get it? And the answer is, is there was a loss. Okay? I, I, I haven't met the, maybe you can, you can tell me, but I haven't met the blended family that there wasn't some sort of trauma, some sort of loss. And can I tell you? They're not as far along. This is some advice that I got from Ron Deal. They're not as far along as you are. And if you don't give them time to mourn the losses, trust me when I tell you, it will come out. You make them bury that stuff. I don't want to talk about that stuff anymore. Leave that stuff in the past kind of stuff and not let them express themselves. They'll express themselves, won't they? <laughs> Kids are master, right? They, they know what to do. They're wired to do this. And if you cause them to push that stuff down, I got to tell you, it ain't going to work. Give them a chance to mourn some losses. That's, that's, that's why I say reasonable expectation, because if you think it's going to be this utopia up and up and up, it isn't. You've you got to be realistic with this thing. You've got to have some realistic expectations of you and your family. Ecclesiastes 3, you might know the verse that says this, there is a time for everything and a season for every activity under the sun. You can read all of them that you want, but I, I, but I picked up on verse 4, a time to weep and a time to laugh. Okay? There, there couldn't be two more diverse things here. And I go, you may have some of those all at the same time, but going, you're ready to move past the weeping. But they're not. Their season hasn't passed. And believe me when I tell you, the most problem that I see is, is, is you're there, but they're not. You think that you're a new family. No, you're, no, you're not. You think that it's going to be like a biological family, and it is not. I don't mean any disrespect, and I don't mean that it can't be. What I mean is, is that you throw them together and you expect them to have what a kid's grown up all their life to have, and they're not, are they? <laughs> and they struggle, and there's, there's fighting, and all of a sudden one parent treats them different, and you go, you've got to give them a chance to mourn some losses and mourn it with them and allow them to express how they feel about the loss. Don't just make them move on. 
a time to weep and a time to laugh. Number three comes right along with it. Build, build a team. It takes teamwork to make the dream work. I remember John Maxwell said that. And, and what I'm about to say in the verse I'm about to read applies to the church, but, but, I, but I want you to see that these verses, a lot of people might be saying, wait a minute, you're applying verses that the Apostle Paul and all these other writers are writing to the church. And I go, yeah, I am, and I can tell you why. Because if you don't apply it in your house first, how in the world does it apply at church? It's true, right? In fact, the prerequisite for being a leader, you want to know what it is? If you can't manage your own household well, how on earth can you manage God's household? That's what it says. So I believe these verses every bit apply to life and especially for the person in a blended family. Build a team. Here's what Ephesians chapter 4 says. Ephesians 4 verse 3, make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. When Jesus went to the cross in John 17, you know what he prayed for? Unity. The the greatest need that he saw as he was in the Garden of Gethsemane, you know what he's praying for? The unity of believers, that they may be one Father as you are in me and I am in you, because he understood that the most difficult thing in the world is unity of believers. The most difficult thing in a family is unity. The most important thing in a family is the unity. Get it? Build a team. John Maxwell says, has a quote. He, he says, it takes teamwork to make a dream work. But I remember one of the things that he said, and I struggled with it for a long time, but he said, everything rises and falls on leadership. It's a fact. And if you want to build a team, you know how you build a great team? You've got to have great leaders that organize that team, that think of it that way. And if you are going to have a great team in a blended family, can I, can I tell you what, what it's got to be? And this is for everybody, but, but especially for a blended family, It takes the leaders on the same page. So the number one thing that I see is is you guys got to be on the same page. You guys have got to get on the same page, and you're going, we're not. I got you. John, we've already made the decision, and we've been doing this for a couple years, and I understand exactly what you mean. (laughs) I know, because you come talk to me. Somewhere along the line, you've got to get on the same page if you're going to make this work. Because the kids are going to see inconsistencies, right? And, and you can sit there, and, and you're going to have one person that wants to make the decisions. This is typically how relationships go. One person is going to want to make all the decisions. Is that right? And the other person is going to want to go, whatever you say, I'm good with. Right? Until the moment comes, especially when it comes to disciplining of the kids, right? And the one person that is, is like they're a little bit more merciful, in that moment, they're going to kind of neuter the person that's tougher, right? Because they're going to go, anything you want, until all of a sudden the moment comes, and they're going to go, oh, that's a little bit too tough. And now the kids are going, oh, I see what I need to do. Oh, I see some divided leadership. See, there ain't a team here. There isn't, there isn't an organization. You are not on the same page. And they're going, okay, no problem. I know exactly what to do here. Oh, evil queen is here. I got you. Right? Evil stepdad is here. There's plenty of movies about this. There's, there's not a lot of great, you know, Disney has not made the movie yet where one of the stepparents ain't the evil one. Right? Where do we see the movies where dad is the one that really helps a lot or the evil stepmom is, oh, she's actually a nice person? Probably because they're not usually that nice, right? But why? Because they have the expectation that it's going to go, that the cultures are just going to blend. Well, you have a culture, and they have a culture, and it's a different culture. You know about culture wars? When two cultures get together, how often do they get along? Not much. You're going to have one culture, and you've got to do that together. And it's got to start with the two people in charge, 
And if you're not on the same page, neither will they. And you're going to blame them, but it ain't their fault because everything rises and falls on leadership. And you've got to get on the same page. Don't let the other person cop out, oh, whatever you think. No, that ain't going to work. You're going to have to give your opinion and background. And you know what? The hardest part, and this is where it's so difficult, it isn't always going to work out right. So you're going to have to debrief afterwards and learn how to do it from there. And, and I know I can't fix all this today, but here's the tips that I go. I really see it in God's word. And I go, if you can get on the same page, you can move forward together. You really can. You can have unity. You can have the dream. You can be, it can be an incredible dream that God's given you. If you have realistic expectations, you give them some time to mourn the losses and get on the same page. Get on the same page, at least the two of you. They'll come along if you do. But you're going to have to give them some time. It's not going to happen overnight. Okay. Number three, build a team. Number four, this one's going to sound easy, but it is not. Remember to love each other. Okay? Um, it sounds like that when you, when you start off, it's going to seem so easy to say, love each other. Yeah, that's right. No, I got you. But, but somewhere in the mix, it can be forgotten so easily, especially as people have conflict. Especially as you get those vibes that they don't like you. Because <laughs> they don't. And they want it to go back to the way it originally was. Can you keep that in mind for the kids? The kids' goal in a lot of these is, I want it back the way it was. If somebody had died, I want them back. If mom and dad had split up, I want them back. Even if it's abusive sometimes even, I want it back. And it's never going back. You've got to give them time to mourn the losses. Remember to love each other. It, well, let's read the verse. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 2. Maybe you can write that down. 1 Corinthians 13 is the love chapter in the Bible. It teaches us about love. Love is patient and kind and all that stuff. But before it goes there, it says this in verse 2. It says, if, if I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have faith that can move mountains, let's stop there. If... If you have all these things, and it had a bunch of other things, if I can speak in tongues, if I can speak in the tongues of angels, if I can give my body over to the poor, it goes on to say, if I, if I give myself to give up in the flames, okay? It's basically talking about a person. I can just summarize it. It's saying, if you're right, if you're the person that can win the argument because you actually are right, and they're actually wrong, okay? If I have all prophecy, you get the idea? I'm right. If I have all knowledge... I'm right. I have the truth on my side. I'm right in this situation, and probably in a blended family, the other person is wrong. Okay? If I have all that, but I do not have love, I am nothing. Can I, can I, can I paraphrase it a little bit? You want to be right, or do you want to be married? Okay. Huh? Isn't that what it's saying? It said, if I have all knowledge and that's all I have, but I don't have love, can I tell you what you got? You got nothing at the end of the day. That's, that's the Bible, man. You want to be right or you want to have a healthy, well-balanced family? You want to help these kids or you just want to be right? You want to come in and go, I'm right, you're wrong. And I get it. There's a place for tough love. There's a place for truth. I get it. But if that's your motive, just being the one that's right, wrap it up. You'll be the 80% statistic. If you have not love, you have nothing, and a dream will die. I got you. And I feel your pain, and I get it. And I get what I'm saying today is not easy, but it has to be truth. Remember, at the end of the day, you got to love each other. And I understand, sometimes you do not feel like loving them, right? 
you're going, you are not going to have long life on the earth. <laughs> I get it. You're thinking it, right? Go away. These people are crazy. This is, whole too, this is too hard. This is too impossible for me. We'll, we'll get to that in just a minute. But remember, somewhere along the line, just come back and go, what is this really about? What is this family really about? Just don't, don't forget that. Remember to love each other. Number, f- number five, this is a huge one. Don't hurry. D- don't, don't be in a hurry. If you're in a hurry and if there's a mistake that I've made and there's one that I have to apologize for, it's allowing people to rush this. They're together and there's all kinds of reasons why they need to get married right now because they're in a hurry and I'm going, you know what, if I had it to do over again, there's so many of them I'd say, could you wait a year? A year? Yeah. Because your kids aren't caught up with you. Can I tell you, Ron Deal said it, and I think he's right. Your kids are about a year behind wherever you're at. And if you're not willing to wait, be ready for them to drive a wedge. And let me tell you something, they're masters. They're masters. They don't mean to do it. They don't do it on purpose. But you haven't let them catch up with you. And if you're not willing to, if you're not willing to consider them, you'll regret it. Trust me. I can't tell you the amount of people I sat down, and God has called us together, okay? Seriously. This ain't just one. I'm not picking on you, so please don't think I'm using your story. This is a story told a thousand times. They come to me, John, God put this person in my life. Don't you think it's wonderful? Yes, I do. Less than three months later, they're coming back saying, John, you can't mean that God wants me to stay in this. Okay? No lie. Same couple. What in the world's going on? Their kids got a hold of them. Because their kids hadn't caught up. And they ignored these things. They ignored the expectations. They ignored all these things. You go, doesn't God want us to have a couple? What if we are in that situation? There is hope for you still. Okay? But you got to start practicing some of this stuff. Don't be in a rush. Understand it's going to take patience. Look at Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 2. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient. Maybe circle that. Be patient. Bearing with one another in love. So you're going to need love. You're going to have to be patient. You're going to have to be humble. It's going to test you in ways that you can't even imagine. There's going to be so many things. If you're a control person, blended families, there's going to be so many things you can't control. Isn't that right? And I'm telling you, these are tips because I go, there's some of you guys' situations that you go, John, you just don't understand. You just don't understand the outside stuff that I can't control. But, but here's some things that you can and then you're going to have to leave the rest for number six. Spend some time with God. Because believe me, if it's tough in, a, in a, just a biological family, in a blended family, it is ten times tougher, isn't it? There's trauma. There are other people. There's other people outside of you making decisions, right? <laughs> and now all of a sudden you're thrust into it and you go, you don't understand my ex-wife. You don't understand, you know, whatever. And they're making decisions that I don't make. Anybody think you need God? (laughs) Yeah, you need God. Some of you are here because of that reason. Some of you come through the doors going, I don't know what to do with this. And the one thing i got to tell you is this. Would you spend some time with God? Because here's what I know. A lot of people withdraw from God in the greatest moment that they need him. A lot of people think because of their environment or because of some of the mistakes that you've made that God hates you. No, he doesn't. He wants you. He desires you. James chapter 4, verse 8, it says this. Come near to God. You know this verse? Come near to God and he will come near to you. Now the next part of it is kind of strange. It says, wash your hands, you sinners. (laughs) 
and purify your hearts, you double-minded. That doesn't sound very nice, does it? You're in a blended family. I got to tell you, you're probably one of the most double-minded people there's ever been, right? Huh? You got so many different pressures coming at you. It's so tough, isn't it? And you're double-minded. And he's going, in that moment, be careful. Here's what he's saying. Be careful. It may not be your sins. It may be sins that somebody else did. And you're going, I just want to be able to move on with my life. My kids aren't letting me. I get, it. I get the idea. Come near to God, and he'll come near to you. But trust me when I tell you, there will be no other time. And I've never seen anybody more alone than when you're going, I tried it again, and it's not working out. And now you feel so alone, and I can't believe I made this mistake again. You get the idea? (laughs) Please don't do that. Please come to God. He doesn't hate you, despite what the world may feel like at the time. Come near to God. You need him. Don't let your pain keep you from God. You get it? He wants and desires a relationship with you. Come near to God. Okay. The final thing is this, number seven. Not only come near to God, but be part of church. Be part of church. We're not talking about the building. We're not talking about whether you come to Thursday service, Sunday service. Okay, not not talking about that. We're talking about being part of the church, the real church, the, the people of God. Okay? It's not just coming to a service. It's allowing yourself to be part. Hebrews writer put it this way. He said this. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25. Maybe you can go back and look it up. The whole passage is amazing. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25. Not giving up the meeting together. Not giving up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing. But encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day approach, the day of judgment. Okay? The end of time. Now, some of you that are in blended families, you would say the apocalypse has happened. <laughs> okay, <laughs> get it. <laughs> Don't let that keep you from meeting together. It will drive a wedge. You know why he's telling people to do that? Because it's so easy when you're going through a crisis to withdraw. Can I tell you, somebody was asking me the other day, well, you know, these people that are going through divorce, I could really help them. I go, yeah, I know. But you know what? They're not here when they're going through that. Can I tell you, when people need God the most, they have withdrawn. It's a fact. It's our natural state, isn't it? Most people come after the crisis, not during it. And when their, their family is in turmoil, they're going, I just can't think, I don't think I could just show up for a service. And I go, it's not about a service. Could you, could you come to group? Could you, could you get around some people? Could you just come to coffee with us? You think that's church? Yeah, I do. <laughs> in fact, it's the part that I understand about church the most because that's what changed my life. It wasn't a service. And I agree, be here, hear God's word, make sure you're coming here because you need to be around people. You need to be around hearing God's word and being here on Sundays, and I get that. But make sure you're part. Be in a community group, okay? That's why we have them. Maybe you need that. Don't don't withdraw at the greatest time of your life, the greatest need of your life. That's That's really all I got, these seven things, these seven tips. For a blended family. Here, here's how I'd like to, to, to wrap it, though. If you are a blended family, you're struggling, or even if you're not struggling, what I'd like to ask you to do is, we'd like to invite you to be part. Okay? It, 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 God wants to invite you to be part, and there's so many other complex issues that you go, that's not even covered in this list, John. I get it. But I'd like you to plug in. If it's not here, then where? Okay? 
but you're here right now. So, so maybe it's here. Don't be looking for the grass is greener on the other side. It's not there. Come, be part. Don't let, don't let that keep you from being here, okay? You need it. Be part of a community group. Check that on your box. You know what? I need to plug in. You know what? I need more information about step families. We're going to try to get more information. We might even try to start a small group with step families. If somebody said, hey, I'm really interested in that, we'll, we'll, get, we'll get something started, okay? Let us know. Write it on your connection card. Let us know today. I want to be part, okay? The other thing I want to ask is this. New Branch Community Church, could we be a church that helps people, especially people that are in blended families? Now, I know this is a stretch, and you might be saying, why just blended families? And I go, no, we'll help any families. I get it. But especially blended families, because I've never seen people that are struggling more. I've never had more counseling sessions. I've never had more things that people are struggling with more than this. And what I'm asking is, is can we be a church that would help people that are in that situation? Let me, let me take it a step further. I understand we're not a church that's pushing them away. Can we be a church that's inviting them? Because here's what I know about people that are truly struggling. I've been thinking a lot about this. People that are truly struggling aren't coming. Okay? It isn't enough for us to be welcoming when they come. Because they ain't coming. They're in total darkness, some of them. Isn't that right? Some of you know. Some of you, some of you are right there in that situation right now, and you go, I'm in tar- total darkness. I know exactly what you mean. And they're not going to open up to you. They're not coming for you. But what I'm going to ask you is this week, do you know somebody that's struggling that you need to pick up the phone call and call them today? <laughs> huh? Do you know somebody you need to get down on your knees and pray for that family every night? You know what it says in the Bible? I believe this applies. It says that the greatest thing for the church to do is take care of widows and orphans. You think it's okay if we take care of widowers too? You think think somebody that went through a divorce doesn't feel the same pain, if not more? What are we doing? When people need us most, we're not there. We're waiting for them to come. They're not coming. I tell you, somebody, this is the part I do get. Because that's where I was. I would have never came, okay? I'm not, I'm not a blended family, but I have my own issues. I would have never came to church. Somebody came and got me. <laughs> Can we be that church? Next Sunday, we're going we're to continue the series, What If? And we're going to talk about people that are homosexual. Can we, can we help? Can we be a church that reaches out? All right, so, so why am I so passionate about that, this particular issue? Two years ago, almost... Two years ago, this time of year, I got a call from the funeral home, and I did a funeral for a guy. His name, I, got, I can use his name because I got permission. Um, Eric Ward is his name. I don't know if anybody knows him. It doesn't matter if you do. I didn't know him. I don't know Eric Ward. Um, I do a lot of funerals just because a funeral home calls and says, this family doesn't have a pastor. Could you come to a funeral? I met with their family. Eric had gotten in a motorcycle accident. He was in mid-50s and, and didn't know why. He's he's avid motorcycle rider didn't run into another car. He just somehow wrecked into a wall, and he died. And his, son in law, his, his stepson was with him. And I sat down with that family, and they were, they were kind of a non-religious family. That's mostly the people I deal with. It's kind of the church we have. <laughs> I like it that way. But they were, you know, we're, we, we believe in God. He believed in God. He didn't really go to church much, that kind of guy. He didn't do anything. All the stuff, and, and as I looked through my notes about today, I went back through his funeral notes, and there was nothing that necessarily stood out about Eric. Okay? 
mean, he just lived a plain life. His people loved him at work, and they came. But can I tell you what stood out about Eric to me? Was when they got to the point about, you know, tell me, what kind of dad was he? What kind of person was he in your life? Because he's a stepfather. He didn't have children of his own. And, and, and they said, here's what I want you to say, John. There were no stepchildren in this family. <laughs> there were no step-grandchildren. This guy went on to have children. I think his sister or somebody had kids. And he said, he never treated us like, we, he treated us just like we were his. And he invested in us. And they talked about nothing big, nothing flashy, but all the small things this man did in their life. And he said what an impact it had on his life. <laughs> okay, so last year at this time, because he died, I think, it, I think we did a funeral on April 19th. Last year they called me back up and said, it's been one year since Eric died. Could you do a memorial service? I've never had anybody ask me to do that. <laughs> a year later, after the original funeral, they said, could you come back out and come out to Albert Horton Memorial? And we're going to have this dinner and everything. And the place was packed out, full of motorcycle people and all this kind of stuff. And then, and then we went out there. And, and you know who, who, who was leading the way? His stepson. <laughs> his stepson. Who was impacted by this guy's life. And he still talks about it. And I got to see his, his, his now toddler. You get it? As he's raising him. And he's like, the reason why I'm the dad I am today. When, when Eric came into my life, I didn't have anybody. I didn't have, any, I didn't have any man in my life. And he made all the difference in the world to me. And a year later, he's still talking about him. After his death. That's an impact. And what I want to say is this, as a step-parent, as a blended family, it is difficult, it's all get out, but it is worth it, okay? You, you, can have, you could have the greatest impact of your life, but you, you, you're going to need God. You're going to need a church. And when you do, guys, you, you, we could impact lives for all eternity. That's, that's what I see. It's not easy. You know what it says in Ephesians? It's not easy, but it's worth it. That's what I, that's what I take from Ephesians 6. It says, you will reap the harvest if you... Do not give up. So, so my, my challenge for you today is don't give up. In church, don't give up. You see people struggling? Don't give up. That's, that's really all I got today. I know, I know it's not in a nice little bow. Because <laughs> blended families aren't in a nice bow. But they can make an impact that lasts for all time. Let's stand for prayer. Father God, if there was ever a message that that it probably shouldn't be me giving, and maybe it's this one, I don't know. But Lord, you know the heart here is, I watch people struggle so much. And Lord, maybe there's somebody here today that's struggling with this very thing. And I pray, God, that these tips can help. But more than that, I pray, Lord, there's a God in heaven that can help. And Lord, you love the blended family. And while it may not have been our intention to end up the way we have, God, you can take us from where we're at and give us new life. Lord, you... Lord, can put the pieces back together again. Lord, you can take what we're not capable of and be there and do things for us that, we're not, that, that we can't do for ourselves. And I pray for the one that maybe is here today going, you know what, I just feel like giving up. I pray they don't, Lord. I, I pray for the one that needs your guidance and your help and, and not know what to do with kids and problems. And, and, and maybe, Lord, there's, so many, there's things that, that can't even be talked about here today that hasn't been talked about with anybody else, but that they're facing that they're just going, I don't know what to do. I praise you, God, that there's a God that can do all things. So I just pray you be God in that situation. Lord, I pray, help, help them to have the courage to step out and be part. And Lord, as a church, I pray that we can strive together to become the body you want us to be. And Lord, I believe it's full of people that have been broken. 
I believe it's full of people that, that we go, man, my life is so messed up, but, but there is a God that can help. And then we see as we strive together to become your body, that, Lord, you put the pieces back together and you made all things new again. And in the end, we look at these children and we go, wow, I can't believe the miracle that you've done. I pray that over every person here. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.